Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Witham. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings, joined with my co-host... Kevin Witham. And Megan, it's great to be back with you again for another a discussion, another podcast, and we have back with us today uh, Andy Fleming. I gave uh, Andy an uh, uh, introduction last week, and if you didn't hear that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that introduction. But Andy uh, serves in the International Churches of Christ. He's got a background in the uh, Acapella Churches of Christ prior to uh, his movement into the ICOC early in life, and he's had a lifetime of just broad ministry, both in planting churches, maturing churches, um, writing, and uh, he, he and his wife, Tammy, they currently live in uh, Kiev, and so we're, we're, uh, we're international uh, today, talking across the, uh, the oceans, um, and talking to Andy once again. Andy, welcome back. We're so uh, delighted to have you with us. Kevin, Megan, it's it's a privilege and a pleasure just to be back with you. So, Andy, you know, last time we were having some great discussion about um, the the international churches of Christ, the churches of Christ, uh, some of the early rifts, and talking a little bit about uh, repair. Uh, I don't know that we mentioned that you're a Canadian national, and and yet you've been a missionary for a large part of your adult life. Uh, one of the questions I'd like to kick off with today are, or, or is this, are there some defining or kind of pivotal moments as a missionary that have transformed or changed your perspective on things? Hmm. Well, I think the thing that I was, one of the things that I love about mission work is the challenge and privilege of getting to learn another culture which I believe if you're really going to do well, you have to learn the, you have to learn their language as well. Um, but one thing that was interesting is I realized uh, that there's an opportunity to model discipleship by being a learner of the, of the culture that you're now visiting and trying to become a part of. And so I didn't really understand that until after a few experiences where I started to realize that this is a, a great thing I can play back, in other words, by showing humility as I stumble through my Swedish speaking or Russian speaking or whatever, by by being willing to be a little bit of a fool, uh, but to be vulnerable and open, uh, it's a great way of modeling also just, you know, a- asking them also to imitate myself as I imitate Christ. And so that was just an interesting moment. I, I saw this uh, opportunity for modeling discipleship by the actual physical circumstance of being a foreigner in, in another country. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a humility to that. That probably has some great practical application for our discussions because, you know, as, as a missionary, as you say, you're, you're learning culture, you're learning language, you're, you're learning the place so that you can minister to it well. And, well, we're getting to know kind of one another, and we shouldn't go in with too many assumptions. We should be learners um, in this and have some humility about us. That's great. Do you have uh, thoughts about the connection between Jesus' prayer and John 17 and how it relates to the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28? Okay. So, yeah, I think, of course, uh, anyone that's taking the Great Commission seriously to go into all nations and make disciples wants to be a promoter of unity. Um one of the greatest factors in church history that divided Christianity is nationalism. Uh, the great divide of the 11th century was based on the Latin-speaking and Greek-speaking Christians dividing more than anything. Yes, of course, one centered in Rome, one centered in uh, uh, Constantinople, but the truth is there, the, the linguistic divide was the great divide, even some of the doctrinal things. So unity among the nations is an amazing goal. And Jesus prayed for unity, you know, for those that would believe in the message that his apostles would take out. And uh, I think that's a, it's a great goal for us. I think the challenge for us is there's so much disunity in the public presentation of Christianity around the world. Um, if we're not careful, we can be talking about unity, but it's also a very narrow, narrow bandwidth. So I think as we go out, we've we've really got to um, uh, keep in mind that anyone that's praying to God, anyone that's looking to Jesus, is already heading in the right direction. Now, other small details about what they're doing may need to get fixed, but we need to, I'd say, embrace and encourage people where they're at, and then uh, you know try to call everyone to a more uh, scriptural model of how they're living out their discipleship. Andy, you, you've got a lifetime in, in mission work. And boy, just in our last podcast, talking about the breadth of your experience in different places and, and God's leading you to different places, I've heard uh, that, that being on the mission field tends to break down our sectarian or uh, what we might call our tribal attitudes. Is that true from your experience, and, and can you speak to why this is, and what are some applications of that for all of us in our, our various places where we're doing ministry? Well, I've had uh, opportunities to work in the jungles of Papua New Guinea and also in the Middle East. And uh, in Papua New Guinea, very interestingly, I sat one time and, and was having a cup of coffee with a Lutheran missionary. And... Uh, what was so interesting was he's coming to a country uh, where the Lutheran church had some presence there, but he was trying to, you know, evangelize, reach out to more. Well, obviously, though, that's a confession that believes in infant baptism. Obviously, you can't roll into town and baptize infants. You've got to roll into town and talk to the adults because mm -hmm. only adults are going to bring in their families into the church. And so what was what was interesting was because there was no history of second-generation Christianity among these people, uh, even someone who would very much 
promote infant baptism realized that that actually was not part of his agenda in this first phase of his mission work. <laughs> right. And I found that so interesting that uh, he was actually, and, and some people were requesting baptism by immersion, even uh, in the adults. And so what's so interesting is when you take away our history or maybe even our second generation traditions, we actually become a lot more like each other. And so uh, that's one thing I saw in Papua New Guinea. The thing I saw in the Middle East where, you know, many of the countries are lucky if there's 3% Christianity, right? Boy, you're just happy you meet someone else who believes in Jesus, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, yes. you get that relationship and, oh, you may disagree on a whole bunch of things, but the fact is this person calls Jesus Lord you're already like, man, this is my friend. I, I need this person, you know? <laughs> yes. And, and so what's so interesting is those two situations definitely make you see a need for fellowship and a desire for fellowship and even a basis for fellowship that uh, are easily forgotten when Christianity is living in absolute freedom to be expressed however you want to. Because sadly, as we are free to express Christianity as we want to, we often become divisive and sectarian in our attitudes. I love that. I just, I love the idea of, oh, you like Jesus, me too. Let's be, let's be friends. <laughs> and I think there is an element of that, or there should be rather, within the restoration movement. Because we have our open-handed issues and our closed-handed. What is it in um, non-essentials liberty and essentials unity. Um, so I guess that leads me to my next question, which is what has the mission field taught you about successfully planting and maturing congregations? Because that's a level of maturity that I would like to see more Christians have. Well, I think um, my my model of church building is that that the more ministry the church can produce, and I mean the more different kinds of ministry, and let's say this is working with marriages to make them great, working with family and parenting to make that awesome, um, worship to, uh, you know, theological education, like all these areas, the more we can be broad in that, uh, the more opportunities there are for more people to find something that resonates with them and fits with their giftedness. And so I think the, the, uh, the, the success in the, in, in, in the church and mission work is that the church stays on the mission field. Um, one thing that kind of hits me about this is uh, people easily get satisfied with the amount of friends that they have and close relationships and Whereas initially evangelism, they learn quite early, and especially on a church planting. You know, you started, and typically I planted churches with uh, 12 members. That was probably the typical size. Um, you know, you got these 12 people, they're all one in spirit and mind, and the early converts join into that family. But you then have best friends that come out of those early converts. Uh, what's interesting is once you've got three or four of those, uh, most people are pretty happy and satisfied. And there's kind of this phase the church goes through where, oh, we have this vision of more people coming in. How exciting is that? But then we get to another point where we're like, wow, I don't have time for any more people. Like I've actually, my life is full. Um, 
if you use the uh, parable of the vineyard and uh, the vine and the branches, etc., um, there's an interesting verse. Not only are the bad branches cut off, but the good branches are trimmed so that they could become even more fruitful. And I, I think this is one thing that Christians need to learn to do, to enjoy sort of what the fruit that God has given them in this moment, but also be critical enough to go, you know what, I need to cut free a few things so I can have space for more fruit and, and, and keep the church growing in that way. So that was an evangelistic uh, thought. But um, maturing the congregation, I, I don't want the church to become mature and stop growing numerically. I want the church to have both of those. I don't think they should be separated. Um, but maturing is about people developing, about people feeling useful. And the, and the ministry staff, I, I'll just share a personal conviction I have. The most important, you could say, leadership level in the church is the small group leader. And if a church is fortunate enough to have anybody even in a full-time ministry at a higher level than that, their job should be to enable and train the small group leaders. In other words, if the, the ministry of the church happens at the small group leader level. And so that, I think, needs to be the priority, that those people have the resources they need, the training they need, and, uh, and, and that they're multiplying. Because when that is happening, then the church will multiply. And then separately from that, we need to develop specialty ministries where people's giftedness can even become more apparent and useful and uh, and also leadership of church needs to start to let things free so that people can also find like they need to be given the platform of developing ministry with their own convictions. Uh, just in the local congregation I'm with, there's a there was a group of people wanting to start a chemical recovery ministry. And to be honest, the the, the church here has been going through enough uh, struggles and difficulties that no one in the leadership that had, you know, budget control, that kind of stuff. Nobody was really paying that much attention to it. And God bless them. This brother and a, and a couple of friends just said, well, we're going to do this. And uh, they actually raised the money, uh, rented a house, started a full uh, rehab center. And uh, that rehab center's already processed, I think, successfully six people. But another thing that's happened is uh, also within this group, and they can have a maximum, I think, of 14 men there. It's just a men's uh, home. Uh, they've already had at least five people baptized, like who've really had spectacular conversion stories. And it's all because of this specialty ministry that's been done in the name of Christ. And so I think, I think, what a, what a blessing that these guys just finally just took it on themselves to go do this without anyone else, without even getting approval, so to speak, so much as just taking initiative themselves. I think mature congregations are full of people taking initiative to serve. That, that's what maturity is. Hmm. Yeah, Andy, let me, let me just ask you to expand on something. Okay. Um, because I think from a practical standpoint, our listeners would benefit from your experience and thoughts on this, because I think it's something all of our churches struggle with at some level, uh, maturing and, and 
helping people to become deep in their faith. And you mentioned, uh, boy, developing those small group leaders is the first priority, if I'm reading you correct. Mm -hmm. What are some practical things you have done as you're developing churches to pour in to those small group leaders and to equip them? Mm -hmm. Um, Things like uh, training in conflict resolution, which is something we're really just starting to get around to, Uh, deeper Bible training. I think one of the things that full-time ministry people can supply uh, to the small group leaders is if there's difficult situations, that they'll be there in a heartbeat to help. In other words, my goal is to make this person's work as easy and simple as possible. But uh, giving people pastoral skills, just helping them biblically, you know, to be ready for this. So it's a lot about walking with them, but it's a, it's really about teaching them to be good disciplers of the people that are in their group. Um, and also, you know, it always, it, it seems to be this way. Uh, a lot of competent people end up being too busy to pass on their competency. Um, they're doing too much. And so I think we have to help people too focus and uh, not do too much. So uh, I really believe mature Christians should be learning how to take care of each other. Uh, Peer discipleship is the goal of a mature church, where people are discipled in very horizontal, lateral relationships of their peers. It's a one-another equation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to do—my typical approach to things is I like to take a book of the Bible or— um, a series of thematic lessons, and just teach people with with the practical Q and A afterwards. I just I just believe this: the more that we teach people the Bible, the more the Spirit gives them answers that I didn't even know I was giving them, but the Bible supplied something. Yes, yes. So just getting with these leaders, spending time in the Word with them, helping them in some practical ways to learn out of the Word how to apply conflict resolution principles, how to teach, how to, how to bring others along and, uh, and develop those groups. I just think that's some practical uh, knowledge that helps any of us who are listening to do better at it, it, it what really is a very basic uh, ministry we're called to. So, boy, I appreciate mm-hmm. your insight on that and your experience. You know, as you think about uh, the various streams of the Stone Campbell movement, um, do you see value in the various streams cooperating more? Um, I mean, we, we talked in our last podcast about how we all don't need to conform and all look the same, but do you see some value in more cooperation and advancing church planting and growth around the world? What do you think the possibilities are and what do you think that might look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. See, um, you're talking to a guy who's lived overseas most of his life. And so when we ask questions about the Stone-Campbell movement, the, the density of the Stone-Campbell movement still is American-based, you know, in, 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 in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. So I, it probably looks, there's probably more to talk about uh, even stateside than there is overseas. But when it comes to the parachurch strengthening programs, we could definitely have a lot of cooperation in that, uh, whether it's theological training, 
or practical ministry training. Um, uh, the ICOC really focused on walking with leaders. I mean, our paradigm for raising up a leader was just to walk with them. And uh, we appointed people without uh, theological education uh, a, a formally. Now, I do think we needed, we needed more formal education because there was a lack of understanding of even the rest of what was going on in the Christian world. Um, so I do think that, but I do think the practical side was something that we got good at. When it comes to church plantings and uh, cooperation, I think, I mean, that's going to happen on an individual basis, uh, uh, especially since autonomy is um, like, like what's very funny about the ICOC is in uh, 20 years after the developments that happened, we actually structurally look lot, a lot like the Disciples of Christ, though we completely came out of the a cappella wing of the Stone Campbell movement. We have mission societies. We have annual conferences. Um, we use instrumental music, okay? I mean... Ah, you, don't do that! No, I'm just yeah, kidding. <laughs> if, if, if you didn't know better, you'd just go, well, you just guys left the you know, acapella and join the disciples, you know? Um, uh, and maybe in that moment, there's some uh, a possibility of even, we're a little bit of a bridge, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think worldwide, if you don't have worldwide, it has to be more local solutions. And so I know there's some very positive situations around the world where, Stone Campbell movement churches, ICOC, CFC, even disciples are doing things together. I think that's probably where it ha it's, I don't know that there's a global mandate as much as there's a local mandate, or at least there's a global mandate for local interest. Okay. Because uh, yeah. there's yes. nobody that can dictate a global mandate. Uh, yes. Well, and that very much fits the model of what this common ground unity idea has been, you know, people at a local level uh, coming together, first getting to know one another, then blessing one another through that interaction, and uh, and then maybe serving together in ways in our cities and communities um, that we haven't been doing. So that in and of itself, if, if we just accomplish that, I think we've accomplished a lot. Yeah. Wow. This conversation has been super um, exciting and interesting. I love hearing what you're doing overseas. Um, I have one last question for you before we wrap it up. Andy, are you ready? Okay, I'm here. Yep. All right. As you may know, um, the Common Grounds Unity Group uh, says that unity begins with a cup of coffee. So this is probably going to be the hardest question we ask. So mentally prepare, okay? How do you take your coffee? Ah, well, now I take espresso, uh, Americano with nothing in it, just black. That's my, that, that That's is cool. my coffee. <laughs> hey, I, okay, we, we didn't mean to, to lie here, but I've got one more question real quick. <laughs> uh, if I were sitting down over coffee with you, I'd want to learn more about some of your uh, writings and you've mentioned a few, you've referenced a few. And for our listeners who would like to maybe access some of the articles you've written, essays, mm -hmm. uh, any any books that, that come out, is there a place they can go 
to access those? I have a website which is being revamped, but there okay. is absolutely material up there. A uh, really good article on divorce and remarriage. Uh, some good uh, in-depth studies of uh, the history of the ICOC up until 2003. And it, it, that's self-explanatory once you start to look at what the studies are about. Um, and there's also some other material there, but then there's also some links to uh, books that my wife and I have written. Uh, so that's all at missionstory.com. Missionstory.com. Yep, Terrific, just Andy. simply spelled like it looks. Yep. Okay. Well, Andy, it has just been great to get to know you. I've known of your name through the years and your good reputation. So it, it's been great. I know Megan has, uh, we've both been blessed to have this conversation with you. And we hope to have you on the podcast at some point again in the future. So um, just on my behalf, I want to thank you. And I know that our listeners will have. Uh, really been blessed by your insights and your thoughts. So, so good to be with you, Megan. Yeah, it's been, I've had so much fun with this. It's been a real joy. I've enjoyed listening to um, all your insights and I'm excited about that uh, Ecclesiastes. Like I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure and may God bless you in this very noble effort to uh, bring people together and speak a word of peace. (laughs) Thank you, brother. All Everybody, right. go, go ahead, Megan. No, nope, okay, I was just, <laughs> just going to say, folks, we're going to be back with some fresh discussion and conversation next week. So join us again, and thank you for joining us uh, today. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember... Unity starts with a cup of coffee.